I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the Gallant Few Rangers podcast. My name's Carl McDuff and I'm delighted to be hosting another episode of The 10 Questions, the show where we ask our guests to answer the set 10 questions on their time following Rangers. I'm absolutely buzzing to introduce this week's guest. Some of you may know him from his time coaching at Chelsea, Liverpool, Sao Paulo or even Aston Villa. But here at the Gallant Few, He'll always be the father of Bilbo and the mastermind tactician that helped us get to 55. Really is my honour to welcome to the show, Michael Beal. Michael, how are you, mate? I'm good. That was a bit of a, a heavy introduction. I don't know if I'm going to live up to that in this uh, in this interview, but no, it's it's, it's great to come on. Uh, I've listened to the show before, so I've listened to the waltz and all when you've been really happy with us and, and the times when you were frustrated with us as well. So uh, I can feel the passion in the, in you and the other guys um, when you're doing the pod as well. Yeah, I did apologise beforehand that there'll be a bit of arse kissing in this show. Um, hopefully that's all of it done in the introduction, mate. <laughs> no problem, mate. So, it's been a few months since you've left Rangers, uh, Michael, and all these questions will be tailored on your time at the club, but kind of overall, what, how do you how do you look back at the club um, now that you've had a wee bit of time to reflect? Well, firstly, like when we were, like my, with my family have just recently moved, I live without away from my three children for like three months I was only home you know once a week and it was difficult so we took the difficult uh, decision to move the family down south as well and when we moved last week there was lots of tears lots of heartache because we had a fantastic time in our village we had a fantastic time in our life in Scotland made loads of friends uh, obviously I moved the whole family up um, back in 2018 when, when we, we first signed for the club and it was a great decision. My daughter was born in Scotland 
a little alba. So, uh, yeah, it was difficult. I felt like the worst dad in the world last week when I was moving the family. In terms of like the work at the club, it was fantastic. Like, you know, obviously in the time we were there, um, Stephen and, and myself and Gary and, and, and Mark and then Ross, we recruited a hell of a lot of players. So everyone that's there, you sort of had a huge relationship with the backroom staff, the people that I met, the fans. And and obviously we lived an unbelievable experience experiences together, but one experience in particular, and obviously uh, winning the league last year that will live with me forever. So I feel like I'm a, a huge fan of the club now because I, I watch all the games, kick every ball. I'm still in touch with people at the club. And for me, it was an absolutely fantastic time. You know, Glasgow Rangers is an institution as a football club. And I certainly felt that before I joined the club, but to be part of the club and, and, to be uh, treated the way that I was um, was was really really special. So uh, yeah, I, it's one of them things that you're so grateful to have experienced. I think you realise you're experiencing other people's dreams as well. You know, as fans and as people that follow the club, you're able to live out their wildest dreams by being inside the dressing room working with the players. So I feel I feel extremely privileged for having that 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 three and a half years at the club. And even even a, a few months after you've left the club, you can already see kind of fruits of your legacy. We were speaking be, beforehand, or I should say for the listeners, we're actually recording um, a couple of hours before Borussia Dortmund play at Ibrox. Uh, we were talking about the first leg and you know, I know there's a new management regime, but a lot of those players that you helped harness the uh, development and talent, it must, must leave you with a sense of pride seeing them go out there and do that against one of the best teams in Europe. Yeah, I think when we come in, there was there was a there was a remit to make the fans proud of the team again. We knew it was a difficult time before, so there was there was two things really to get the fans happy with the team again, the team happy with the fans, and everyone together and proud. And obviously, we wanted to do we wanted to turn the tables around domestically, but also it was to get the club's name out there in Europe. You know, the size of range of the football club is not just a Scottish football club; it's a club known worldwide. But you can't be underachieving then in Europe. So we really wanted to put the, 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 you know, the team's name back up in lights in Europe. And obviously that starts with Scoopy three and a half years ago. And then you're watching them beat Dortmund so convincingly and you're kicking every ball in your house and you're seeing a lot of players there that maybe came for little money or little reputation or came on loan because you know, in Ryan Kent's case, was struggling to play in the championship and now he's lighting up games against Borussia Dortmund. That's everything you want for them people. That's everything they want. So there's a lot of there's a lot of feelings within that. And I'm, that's that's not just myself. That was the other staff. Like you bounce into our work the next day and at breakfast all we're talking about is how proud we are of, of them players and how happy we are for the staff. And so, yeah, it was it was fantastic to watch. And and I mentioned to you earlier, if that was Chelsea or Manchester United or Liverpool going away and winning that convincingly in Borussia Dortmund in their stadium, I think everybody would be, you know, going crazy about it. And I thought that some of the media was a little bit muted um, afterwards, which was strange to see because I thought it was such a fantastic performance, not just a fantastic result. It was the combination of the performance and the result that was so pleasing. Uh, it'll be no stranger to any Rangers fan listening that it's Scottish media can be quite self-loathing at times and it's, I don't know why, up up here we 
a big upper game, but I think that's a whole different podcast in itself. Yeah. Um, but so the 10 questions itself, Michael, when we roll these up, they tend to be to put fans on the spot um, to have a really aching to get narrowed down to one one answer for each of them because a lot of fans that come on been following Rangers for 20, 30 odd years. So how how difficult did you find it to narrow these questions down to one particular answer? Well, to be fair, I scanned over the questions and I'm going to ask, ask answer them on the moment a little bit. So I haven't really, I haven't whittled anything down. Like, um, So you're probably going to get some long answers and I'm probably going to be vague around it, to be honest, if I'm with you, Colin. I'm going to cheat a little bit, to be fair. No, I absolutely love that. That's proper gallant for you fashion. <laughs> Zero preparation. That's, that's how this podcast was built, mate. So, without further ado, question number one. What's your favourite Rangers goal? I think what people don't realise is that there were some goals that were scored that if they weren't scored, we couldn't raise funds to take the project to the next level. So, remember Ovier Ajari's goal away in Ufa, that was huge, but it was just as huge the year later when Alfredo Morelos scored that last-minute goal against Legia Warsaw, which was a special feeling, or Scott Arfield's goal against Galatasaray. Them goals in the behind the scenes were huge because it meant that we were getting group stage football in Europe, but also being able to bring more finance into the club, which would help the project. I think them goals stand out in terms of quality goals. The one that Jermaine Defoe scored against Livingston last year, you're just like, wow, like that, the, the level of quality in his technique to finish that first time on his left foot that was like, you know, you was a privilege to be there. But so was Kamar Roos go away at Standard the Age as well. That was like, because of how heavy the pitch was on the night. But my favourite goal is is none of them. My favourite goal is actually not a beautiful goal. But it was, it was the goal where I thought, OK, it's done. And that was Alfredo away at Livingston. It was only a tap-in from like two yards. But the feeling when that goal went in, because we always found it quite tough to go there on the Astro, very slow physical team the ball wasn't on the pitch much and I remember when we scored that goal in the midweek game I thought that's it it's done so the I wouldn't say the level of relief but the outpouring from the playing staff um and from everyone was was magical that was like three years work in in coming to fruition then when that goal went in because I thought right it's done we've won the league and so that's my that's my favorite goal the, when you talk about the outpour from the playing staff and the coaching staff, also we we were all watching that um, from behind closed doors um, during the pandemic. But it's weird that even despite not being in the stadium and and no 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 physically being there, there was probably the the strongest connection um, between the fans and everyone in the club happened uh, during. The, the season we won fifty five. It was it was so bizarre just watching this in telly and realizing that Morelos, the players, you guys all felt the exact same as we felt. The you said relief there, and it's the relief and the desperation just to get it over the line. It was it was a, a proper bond that you could feel. I thought the timing was perfect that we won it in the year that we won it because it w- it meant the most damage. Um, 
to their opponents, but also it was what we were there to do. It was what we were there to do domestically. What we was there to do European-wise was to obviously raise funds, raise the coefficient, get the name back up there. But domestically, it was it was to win 55 and at the same time um, stop something that we didn't want to happen um, as a fan base and employees as well. So it was the timing was perfect. I think also... There's a tinge of disappointment that happened in COVID year, but I know that it, it, that kept a lot of people going during that year. That was a difficult year for people uh, personally, family-wise, maybe work-wise as well. During that COVID, a lot of uncertainty. I took a lot of pleasure, and I know that the other staff and players did in in terms of, of, of giving you that year as fans. Um yeah, it was a big year for, for I think, for, for a, lot of, a lot of reasons, obviously. And it will be remembered. The more the years pass, I think it will be remembered more fondly again. Yeah, I think it is something that will be more and more monumental uh, the further back we look towards it. Um, it certainly kept me going <laughs> through <laughs> the pandemic, so thank you. Um, so there we go. Alfredo Morelos away to Livingston. Um, I'm sure that was a cold Wednesday night or something, eh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, question, question number two, Michael, where's the strangest place you've watched a Rangers game? Uh, th- this is one, I'm racking my brains on this one. I, c- I honestly, I honestly cannot think of a strange place. I'll have to, look, I, I, I'm obviously, I'm, I'm doing it as someone that was employed by the club, so the strangest place I've ever been to with Rangers would be Ufer away. That would be strange, a really, really strange place. Um, um, so obviously I've not watched a game on TV because for the, probably the last two two hundred out of the last two hundred thirty games I had the privilege of being there. Um, so yeah, I would say the strangest place I've been watching a Rangers game was Ufa away, and I cannot believe the Rangers fans that made it to that stadium because it felt like we were going somewhere like that, out of space. Do you know what I mean? It was that far away, and uh, obviously. It was a nice result as well. In a strange game, we went down to nine players, didn't we? So it was a strange, wonderful outcome because we qualified for the, the group stages Europa League, which was huge in our first season. But uh, yeah, it was a strange place, Ufa. Uh, I think I lost a stone in sweat watching that game. It was nerve-wracking, <laughs> so it was. Um, but I it's such a... <laughs> the early... The early rounds of the qualifiers takes you to weird, wonderful places. How long was that journey? It was a long time, it was about six hours on a plane. So it was, um, yeah, like it, they were a stuffy opponent as well, to be fair. You know, Russian teams, difficult in Russia. They don't travel so well. And it was an AstroTurf pitch. It was very dry and very open. And uh, a lot of the cities you get to go and visit in, in, in the Europa League are, are really nice ones. And that one, we, we didn't get to go out much at all either. So, uh, yeah, it was one of the longer journeys. But obviously... Um, it was a fantastic night. A night, you know, I think at the time they called it the 15 million goal, didn't they? That Ovi Ajari scored that night. But I've got like an iconic picture where we're in that that shape of only having nine players. Do you know what I mean? And um, a bit like a Testudo, the Roman sort of soldiers. The, that's what it like. It felt like towards the end of that game. But no, they're the sort of nights that um, that you look back at, and they were very character building. I, I, I can't remember exactly what Stephen said post match that night, but I remember thinking, "Wow!" Like the manager spoke ever so well after that game um, as well, and summed up the the mood in the room really well. So yeah, it was it was a nice evening. 
No, I, I think uh, Stephen Gerrard did really <laughs> channel everybody's emotions, just absolute euphoria, and it was very, I don't know, very inspiring. And you, you felt, I don't know, you felt the fire in the belly um, after that tonight. And it's when we, as fans, we definitely started to see, right, you know, this is maybe going to be a bit different, um, this regime this year, uh, compared to the nonsense that we had the previous year in Luxembourg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So, kind of um, on, on a similar note, then question number three: What's was your favourite away trip or away day with Rangers? Oh, we've had a few. Uh, obviously, uh, we won a couple of old firm games away, and they were big at the time that we won them. Um, the one where Nico Katic scores the header was big. Uh, unfortunately, I got sent off in that game, but it would be memorable for that reason. And obviously that we had won there for the first time in a number of years. Uh, and in the next season with Connor goals and double um, was a big, big result because I felt early in the season it was a marker. I think my favourite away game was probably Porto away because prior to that game, I didn't think we were ourselves in Europe. We didn't play the same as we played domestically. We we played a little bit more closed and a little bit more on the counter-attack. And I remember our thoughts before that game was, let's just go and play how we played domestically. Let's open up. Let's let our fullbacks get on the last line. Let's open the midfield and let's really try to play how we want to play and then get feedback from Porto, either we're miles off them, we're better than what we think we are, or we're somewhere in between that. We played ever so well on the night in a fantastic stadium against a team that had been in the Champions League quarterfinals the year before. We scored a wonderful goal. I remember Borna hit a fantastic cross and Alfredo touch and finish. Um, we drew the goal, the game 1-1, obviously, because uh, Luis Diaz scored a wonderful goal from about 25 yards, didn't he, right in the top corner. But we were the better team and we had a big chance to win it. The keeper made a fantastic save from a Morelos header. And I remember thinking after that that if we can come here and perform like that, we can pretty much go anywhere. And it was really like I felt that that knocked the team forward almost 20, 25% in terms of belief because we were a Scottish team going to Portugal away to play Porto. And we played really, really good football, like really good football. And I think that was the moment everyone inside and around the team really believed in the journey we was we was on and that we could we could maybe we we could we could we were capable of more, you know. So that, I thought that was a big night for us in terms of growth and just everything about it, the, the stadium, the 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 environment of the game, the opponents and the way we played all all came together, um, and, I, and I, that that was a proper away day. I thought uh, that was a, a great result, and I think me personally, I, I would have bit your hand off that night before kickoff for a draw, and then he come away from the game thinking oh, we were a great save away for winning there. Like, how did this happen? It's itself a couple of, couple of hours. Yeah, I think the big thing was to prove that it wasn't a fluke two weeks later, and and then to beat him at home. Alfredo scored an incredible goal, fantastic assist from Ryan Jack, and then Stephen Davis come up with a bobbler and a deflector from 25, a glorious bobbler and deflector, I must add. And the, I, I think this, that's different. Like the Rapid Vienna game the year before, the environment was fantastic, but it was Rapid Vienna. So then go and be beating Porto and Feyenoord, and uh, I, I think that's another level. But as I say, to back that result up in Porto, to say, no, this is not a fluke, um, 
and we didn't just catch them cold where they took us easy because two weeks later we play you again and we beat you. I think that's why I think that that game took us on a few notches in terms of belief. And um, yeah, the fantastic, uh, fantastic performance, I think, and only really bettered, I would say, by the, the result that Gio and the boys got last week in Dortmund. See, when you talk about the, the belief in the players there, just an interest is, was a, when you're talking about getting feedback off Portal to see what level you're at, was that just for the players to um, to believe or start believing in their own ability? Or did, did you and the management team, could you always see that that was their level or were you surprised as much as the players? It's always that moment where, you know, you, you can either be fear fear first or you can be like uh, relentless and like fearless and, and that was they were key words in our dressing room we wanted to become relentless and we wanted to become fearless and we wanted to we wanted to play like a big team and so we didn't want to go always go away to a Porto and stay closed and play on the counter attack we felt we were living a lie you know how can you how can you perform one way domestically and then go and perform a different way in Europe. You know, what one are you? Do you know what I mean? We were we were acutely aware that European football was, you know, just qualifying for the Europa League was like financially three times more than winning the, the league. But we still wanted to try and qualify playing well. And I think that the, the performances after against Benfica and beating Galatasaray so convincingly like we did in the playoff game, are all a result of that decision made that night by the manager and the staff and the players to challenge himself and see what was the worst that could happen. We realised we're not as good as Porto. Well, I think everyone in the world had a standard not being as good as them anyway, especially in their place. What could we gain? We had everything to gain. And I think what we found is that a group of players that really were enjoying their football and believing in the style of play and identity we were trying to adapt uh, and, and adopting the team. And, and so for us, I think it was for everyone to, I think it was for the staff and the players and also to show the wider public and the fans as well, that this was a different, a different team, a different animal now. And listen, you, the football comes at you fast, doesn't it? So every three days you play another game and you're never always perfect. But I felt that night, even though we didn't win the game, we won in lots of ways in terms of psychologically and, 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 and how it made us feel about the journey that we was on. Yeah, and definitely was an important milestone in continuing that journey, um, I think, from from a fan's point of view anyway. Um, so, on to question number four, mate. What's the funniest thing you've seen at a Rangers game? Oh, this one's really, really tough. <laughs> I'd be what, so Robbie... surprised if it's not including Alfredo Morelos here. Oh, listen! I've seen some crazy things with Alfredo Morelos. Like he, he's a he's a, a unique character. I enjoyed working with him. Cheeky chappy at the same time, very petulant as well. So he'd drive you mad. But I think some of the funniest things were Alan McGregor actually, mate. Like some of the rants in the changing room. And do you remember the time that we played Hibs and he got himself sent off for kicking McNulty in the back? And Sam McNulty kicked him. That was a bit of a strange <laughs> run. When you watched it back, you were like, "What are you doing, Alan?" Do you know what I mean? And and because uh, such a like an experienced professional, just losing his head in that moment and having a rant. Uh, the old Tourette's come out. That's for sure with Alan that day. And then obviously 
Ross McCrory having to go in goal before his brother Robbie made his debut in goal. That that's like quite a funny moment as well. Do you know what I mean? And uh, so yeah, I've seen there's been some really funny things in training, like Fashion Sakala's like a great lad, real like dry sense of humour. Funny without even knowing he's funny. So I've I've seen some funny things for him and. But some of the rants in the changing room, like uh, Andy Halliday springs to mind, Ryan Jack, you know, like real Scottish, probably reacting like some of the fans react sometimes, you know, when the results don't go your way. But I would probably say that like, the most like, what are you doing? That's funny after the event would be that 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 one from Alan McGregor, I think. Uh, he's so similar to, um, well, I imagine him being so similar to the monk from Football Factory, see the <laughs> Vinnie Jones films when he goes and goes, yeah. and he's just imagining like scenes in his head. I'd, I would love to spend 10 minutes in Alan McGregor's head just to see what the fuck's going on. I have to say, like, that he's an incredible trainer, and that's why he plays the way he plays. Like, he is a workaholic, an unbelievable professional in day in day out i've got a huge amount of respect for him um to be doing it at the age that he's doing it um and and just yeah like he lives it he really really lives it and so that he he, he deserves the accolades that he gets and i know how much it meant to him last season um to achieve what what the team did because i saw it in his face and and so no he deserves everything that that the accolades that he gets he thoroughly deserves yeah, it's only fitting that he gets a mention um, on tonight's podcast because he's, I'm pretty sure it's 20 years to the day that he's made his debut. So, oh, uh, fantastic. We can, uh, we can laugh and joke about him, but he's, he's regarded as what he'll be regarded as one of the greatest Rangers keepers for a reason. Um, yeah, for one sure. One of the at the club. Unbelievable. Yeah, for sure, yeah. So, sticking with the theme of players, mate, next one, uh, I don't know how much this will put you in the spot a bit. So, Who's the Rangers player that you didn't quite rate, but everybody else loved? Uh, that's the question that I'm not going to answer, Cole, because that would be difficult. <laughs> that would be a difficult question to answer. Um, yeah, so I'm going to pass on that one because that would be unfair of me, wouldn't it? I think everyone would expect me to pass on that one. If anyone's seen me playing in staff games, I'm not someone who should be commenting on how someone else plays football, mate. <laughs> No, that's absolutely fine. I mean, I think it's um, a big enough bonus having you on the show, so I'm probably being a bit of a chance <laughs> expecting you to answer that question. <laughs> no problem, mate. But, uh, the boys at uh, Gallant Few headquarters would have killed me if I didn't at least try. But, <laughs> no um, problem. On a, on a more positive one, so this is your chance to um, present someday the Sasa Papach Award. So, Sasa Papach, I know. Well, before your time at Rangers, but the ultimate unsung hero um, in Walter Smith's uh, setting spell, your classic 7 out of 10 every week. Everybody loved him, but Alan McGregor. For some reason, McGregor gave him pelters every week. <laughs> but, um, so who would who would your Rangers unsung hero be? I'm going to be really boring. I'm not going to go for a player, right? I'm going to go for Davey disco his name his name is the masseuse so jimmy bell gets a lot of fanfare but he's part of a double act jimmy bell he's part of a double act with disco and uh behind the scenes the work that he puts in the massaging and but it's not just that he's so positive every day and every rangers player will tell you this that he's just the loveliest guy and every time you see him every day he's super positive he's super rangers 
So he deserves a mention. So does Dr. Mark Waller, because during the COVID time, the man was unbelievable in terms of just um, speaking to us as players, looking after us and our families, um, making sure all the regulations. And I know that that year for him was really difficult. And, uh, you know, that the, the amount of pressure he was under at times and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm mentioning Disco and I'm mentioning Doc Waller. If I need to be pushed on a player, then in the year that we won the league, it would be someone that would every day train at his maximum, maybe not playing, and every day being positive. And I'm going to go for Andy Firth, mate, which a lot of fans will wonder, well, go on then. Andy's not played. He's only had that couple of minutes against Kilmarnock. Um, But what is it? Well, he's a fantastic teammate, fantastic kid, super positive. He's there every day trains at his hardest and in the background of us winning the championship people like him made the environment what it was so i've cheated again i've gone for the dock disco and i've gone for furphy as well i felt that the year that we won the league um there was a lot of people that didn't get the recognition off the on the pitch that did a hell of a lot for the group off of it so I do want to ask you about um, the like Distro in the dock um, in a wee second, but just for a moment, I want to be absolutely smug um, to the listeners. Long-term listeners will know that I've always had some sort of, I don't know, weird affection for Andy Fuff, and I think he's a bit like Fashion Sakala. Every time you see him in and around the club or whatever, he just looks so positive and so happy, and it's quite infectious. And I've, I've always been um, shouting about the Andy Fuff oil, so again, it's realistically, I, I would never as a fan think he'd be ahead of McGregor or McLaughlin, anything like that, but it's it's nice to hear him getting recognised for just coming in, having a positive attitude, because that's that's invaluable in a, a training ground, surely. Yeah, the, the thing is, there's people that there's people that never take from a football club, they only give, and I think that the three people that I've mentioned there, they give a lot, and they were built the environment. The environment's really important. You go there every single day, you probably see that the other staff and the players at a football club more than you see your family. And, you know, if you're, if you're a player and you're a star, uh, yes, you take the pressure and you're on the pitch, but you can also make a change. You can make a difference. And there's certain players that are in and around the squad that train every day and do ever so well. I could have easily mentioned Greg Stewart as well. It was very, very similar in that he trained to a really high level every single day, but our team was performing and winning every week and he couldn't fight his way in. And people will go, what's wrong with Greg Stewart? Why didn't he play more? There wasn't a lot wrong with Greg Stewart at all. Fantastic person, made the, the environment that we had, supported his teammates week in, week out, even though inside it must have been difficult that he wasn't playing, showed real quality in his training. And that goes a long way to supporting the group. And as I say, that football clubs are not easy places some days. You know, not everyone comes in smiling and happy to play football. People might have things going on personally. The results and the pressure at a club like Rangers are obviously very high. You're not going to win every game. And it's the little people behind the scenes that just make the club tick over. And I think in the year we won the league, Andy Firth and Greg Stewart stand out as two players that really supported. And Disco doesn't, get the same like I say you know fanfare that Jimmy does but they're a double act very much a double act behind the scenes and then obviously Doc Waller because it was the Covid year and during the pandemic I think he helped 
put all of us and our families minds at ease and a lot of workload got thrown on him that um was was we were living in the unknown but he, he always gave me that that assurance and the other staff and players that he was in control so I think them people deserve a special mention because sometimes I think they get forgotten, you know? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. No, absolutely. And it's, it's really nice to hear them getting recognized. And uh, I didn't realize Jimmy Bell was part of a double act, so maybe we need to start singing about this for a wee bit more. <laughs> yeah, for sure you do. So, Moving on, mate. Um, question number seven. We're nearly through the ten. What's your biggest Rangers regret? We played fifty-six games last season and we lost three. And it was really, really hard to take at the end of the season that we only won one trophy. To play a game, to play fifty-six games in a season across competitions, and to lose three and all three be knockout games. I found that really tough. I went away in the off season and was angry and disappointed. And yes, we did win the league. Yes, it meant a lot, but it, you know, in some ways for me personally, it wasn't enough and it hurt. It hurt because I know that to lose three out of 56 games and for the amount of games that we also played in Europe that season that's a unique season. That's a season that won't happen many times in your lifetime as a football coach because um, it's difficult. You know, it's difficult to play 56 games, that level of consistency to only lose three. My biggest regret is that we didn't win more. Um, and that's not to lay the blame on anyone or any certain games or certain disappointments, but that hurt. Like, um, because I think that season deserved more. I think the level of consistency, the level of football that the boys played, um, that we had built to deserve more. Um, so it's a huge regret. It will be a regret forever because I can't get that time back. Um, so yeah, that's my biggest regret. Um, there was obviously some disappointment around the timing of, of, of leaving Rangers, the regret is around not winning more last season when we clearly deserve to win more. Um, and, and that will always be a regret and a frustration that will stay with me. So you mentioned a couple of things there. We'll stick, just to go over the domestic trophies, first of all, it's, it's probably a 
no problem. It's definitely a frustration that was shared by the fans, the domestic record as well. So, what was it about the the cup competitions in particular that the we can they quite nail over the those three years? I think the cup final we lost was incredible. Whether that was what really pushed us to the brink the next season because I thought it was so unjust. I thought we were in a difficult situation the first season and we lost the semi-final. We dominated against Aberdeen and there's a lot of what-ifs in and around it. I think the biggest thing um, I can say personally from my own view is that Europe was so important to the club financially and to compete across the... and, And so was the league. So to try and compete across the four competitions it was maybe too much for the group in the first two seasons, but it wasn't too much for the group in the third season. That's where my regret lies massively. I think we were playing 60 plus games. And if you look at the average amount of games that teams play, it's about 42. So we were playing on average 20 games more. So it was a lot of midweeks. We had smaller squads, but I didn't think with the addition of the key players that we brought in, in the, in the season where we won the league, I felt that the squad was strong enough to compete. I think in the other years, we was having our cake and eating it. We needed the European money. We needed that money because to qualify for the group stage of Europa League is like three times the amount of finances for winning the the league. And I think that I felt that the squad was a little bit thin at times. And that's maybe why we fell short. But I didn't feel that in the third season. So I was extremely disappointed we should have we should have won more there's there's i wouldn't say there's no excuse for it because i think that the level of consistency the players showed to only lose three games in the season was 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 huge but my thoughts at the end is we could have lost any three games and would i have traded um the undefeated invincible league season for two defeats and two more trophies yeah damn right i would have so that is a regret um the, the the other things where I'm culpable, I was part of the staff and I was part of the, the playing staff and the coaching staff that didn't win them trophies. And all I can say is we were trying our damnedest. It wasn't like we wasn't trying. It just for every reason, we didn't. Um, I hope that we made up for that in, that in in having an invincible league winning season because it will be remembered for many, many years. But still, there's a tinge of regret there or more than a tinge because to lose three games in 56, I don't. I, I hope people re- realise that that level of consistency is is rare. It's rare in football. As in, uh, we said that we said earlier on the show that as years go on, fifty five will be bigger and bigger in terms of the stature and how important the that league win is. But probably is still just a bit raw. Uh, definitely from what you're saying there for, for you and the rest of the, the coaching staff is still a bit raw about those three defeats and probably just the impact they had rather than the, level, the amount of defeats. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think that um, yeah, I think that team was capable of more and, and I think that team is still showing it's capable of more now with the results that it's had um, against, say, Borussia Dortmund this season, it's still that same group of players um, on that same journey. So it, it, it proved it was capable of more. But as I say, like if you if you look back in any Rangers winning season and in season where trebles and doubles were won, they would have lost more than three games. So for us to have lost just three out of 56 and only come away with one trophy, it's disappointing. 
No, definitely. You mentioned uh, briefly there about leaving the club, so um, obviously it's you said it was more disappointment around the time, and just you know, out of interest, was it always uh, that was the kind of move that was right for yourself and uh, the coaching staff, and it just happened to come up at that time. Yeah, I think listen, without. Uh, I don't want to speak for anybody else, and I don't. I, I want this to obviously be a really positive interview, so I don't want anything co- yep. controversial to come out for anybody. You know, my own thoughts on it are that there was a number of opportunities and big opportunities, and and this one felt right. And so, without wanting to uh, raise anybody's sort of aggression levels or passion levels or emotional levels, I think it's best that we, you know, we we decided. Um, as a coaching staff to take this opportunity. It doesn't belittle the feelings that we had for Rangers or the experiences we had there. Rangers, I think, will go on from strength to strength. The club's certainly in a better position than when we joined. The playing staff and and, and the new manager coming in uh, is, is taking it on and will hopefully take it on to another level. So I think where the club's at, you know, like when the new board have come in, the stability that they've given the club as well, I think, we should just remember the positivity and keep moving forward. You know, nothing lasts forever. Um, and as I say, um, it wasn't the first opportunity that the that the manager had and decision he had. And 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 and, and as a collective, we took the decision to go. So it's probably best to just leave it the answer like that rather than delving into the why's and why not you know it's a decision that you make at times and and uh, and I think everybody is moving on positively I, I see a Rangers team going from strength to strength also that's completely fair enough but what you said about football fans being emotional well on Rangers fans I'll never catch on I don't know what you mean there <laughs> um, no I, listen I think we lived it we lived it every single day yeah. that we were there and uh, and we loved our time there and I'll speak for myself I love my time it's an unbelievable football club uh, it's a football club that's that's is is owned by the fans. So the fans are the ones that you know will feel it the most and players and coaches we come and go and it's you fans that keep it going and never more in the case than Rangers in the, the destination of the last 10 years. I think we wanted to be the, the staff that pressed the reset button. And what was the reset button? It was getting back to the top, winning and putting the club's name back in lights in Europe. And I, I like to think that we did that. Yeah. Uh, maybe a wee bit biased because I'm interviewing right now, but I definitely think you did. Um, but that's just, that's just one fan's point of view. Um, so here's one for the Union Bears who sat down the BF1. What's your favourite Rangers song, Michael? Four Lads Had a Dream. I'm not going to sing it for you, but it was my favourite from the moment I joined the club because I think it, it, it tells a story of the club and I think um, it's a very unique song. So I like it. I like it a lot. Um, yeah, so it's one that uh, I sing in the shower, but I'm not going to sing for you right now, mate. <laughs> There you go. That's an exclusive right there. To be fair, like like my little Sunday team, I played for a Sunday team when I was like between the age of like nine to twelve, and then I signed for Charlton as a kid. And the Sunday team, we used to listen to Simply the Best before we went out, and we used to sing it. And then I'm like this 37, 38 year old coach on a bus driving towards Ibrox, listening to Tina Turner's Simply the Best, and like. The 25 years or whatever it was in between it's so ironic how things come round in life do you know what i mean and 
I'm back to being that 10, 12-year-old listening to Simply the Best before we, we go to, to play a football match. And my little Sunday team, Scott Parker, played in that team. We were good friends growing up. And so that was how our Sunday league manager made, made us sing Simply the Best every week. And then I'm on a bus with the Rangers' first team some 25 years, 26 years later. So that song will always have a big part. But if you're talking about fan song, then Four Lads Had a Dream is, is my favourite song. Yeah, and it's definitely um, it is really fitting um, as we approach the 150th anniversary that that song just delving into the history. Um, it's it's a cracker. Yeah, agree. So, question number nine, mate: If you could relive one Rangers moment or one Rangers day um, from your time at the club, what would it be? I was so glad that the video of me sliding across the changing room floor didn't get out. But obviously I would relive that day because that's it. That's what you do it for. That's what you do it for. And and, and that's, we go through a lot in a football club. We're really honest with each other. You spend time away from your family. At times the game cuts you at your knees. At times it makes you feel 10 foot tall. And to see the fans that day outside the window, to see the relief and the joy on the players and, you really, it really, I don't think you know until you know. Do you know what I mean? Like until you're experiencing it, what it actually meant to people. And Gary Mack kept saying to me, Mick, I don't think you realise how big this is until it's happened. And he was 100% right. And I remember the day after we went into the training ground and obviously there was a draw up at um, Dundee United, which meant it was official, but it felt official the day before when we was celebrating. And then um, I drove home and, got a little bit emotional because I think it all comes over you you know the it all comes out of your body the uh what you've the work that you've put in but if I could relive one moment I'd go back to the changing room there at Ibrox when we were we were celebrating and the uh, the fans were outside the window and stuff like that because I think you, you, you it, uh, the, there's a little tinge of regret that you don't celebrate that enough. But in my mind, I'm always thinking next game, next next season, next you know the next training session. So sometimes I need to lighten up and and, it, and take it all in. And I suppose uh, I didn't take that all in. So I'd love to go back there one day um, and uh, maybe in my mind more than in reality, because obviously you can't go back. But that was a special night, and uh, the hangover was worth it. That's all I'll say, mate. <laughs> so that that day um, we had all the fans outside the Ibrox for the for everybody driving in. But what was your reaction when you seen just tens of thousands of fans just who were going to miss the game? Like those, they stayed there all the way through, and I don't think for them they tried to get a Wi-Fi signal at Ibrox. Um, it's not the best, so most of them would have missed the game. Well, when we when I got to the roundabout and I see Gavin. And Robin, the head of security, like waving me through these fans. I wound down the window and put my music up. And they were furious with me as well because they were panicking like mad. They just wanted to get us in. Um, Obviously, when we came back on the day, the trophy day, um, the last day of the season, they obviously made us come on a bus because, like, obviously, with the time before, we went in individual cars. And so... You know, obviously, I think the video got out of Stephen's car driving in, didn't it? The manager's car. And you could see the... I just think that just shows you what it means to be part of that club and what it means to people. It's very unique. It's special. I think sometimes we 
we can overlook how special it is because we we want instant results and we're so passionate about it but to be part of rangers the family of rangers the fan base and to be part of the inner side is a very very special thing i don't know what people would do without the foot their football club so they need to they need to love their football club which i'm sure everyone does but love it in a positive way as well and all i saw that day was people so so happy um and obviously the outpouring from the players and the staff in the changing room the days after because people have backed the club with their time their commitment with their finances in their pocket and 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 really supported the club through some dark days in the last 10 years. And and so they deserve that day 10 times over. Tinge of regret, obviously, it was during the pandemic and we couldn't celebrate it how we really wanted to. But I thought, I think people made a good job at celebrating it anyway from what I could see and what I could, um, the, the messages I read and some of the pictures and stuff that I saw on social media and, and on the TV. And that I'm, I'm, I think people were... They celebrated and, and 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 celebrated it to the level that, that each personal person thought was uh, was right for themselves, you know. And it was just being in the changing room that day was uh, was was fantastic for lots of people that people won't know and see. You know, you obviously see the players, you see the main staff, but there's loads of other people behind that. You know, friends of Rangers, fans of Rangers, people behind the scenes that work in the offices, and um, it was for everyone that 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 league title. It was really was for everybody so uh, yeah I'm sure the rest of Scotland heard us celebrating mate Absolutely and just um, echoing what you said there um, seeing the players reaction and everybody associated with the club and going back to when I'm talking about that connection that's that was just that epitomised it Everybody, regardless if you were a fan, stuck in the house, even in Scotland or in Australia, or if you were yourself or one of the players celebrating in that dressing room, the feeling was the exact same. Um, yeah, yeah, it was fantastic, mate. What a what a day to be alive, mate. Eh? So the tenth and final question, um, Neil there, mate. If you could go for a drink with one Rangers manager and one Rangers player, past or present? Dead or alive, who would they be and why? This is an easy answer for me because I met Walter many a times and um, he was brilliant to us as a staff in terms of his time and his advice and his energy. Um, and my favourite Rangers player would be Gaza, but I've met Gaza. And my second favourite player would be Loudrop, and I've met Loudrop. But the one that I loved when I was a kid, it wasn't my favourite player, but I loved his smile and I just loved his personality, was Ali. And believe it or not, I've never formally met Ali. I've passed and said hello, but I've not formally met him and spent any time with him. So he would be the player and the manager would be Graham Souness because uh, I think he has class and I think that he carries himself well. And I watch him on the TV now. And I still think he's the best pundit because he's not trying to get a job and he says it how he sees it. And where's that passion on his sleeve? And he was an incredible player. He was an incredible manager for Rangers as well. And uh, so, yeah, if I had to go and talk to two people that I think I could get a lot from in terms of advice and guidance as a coach, as a man, uh, as someone that worked or was involved with Rangers, but also as just two football people, it would be Graham Souness as the manager and it would be um, Ali McCoyst as the 
as the player or player manager as well because he managed the club as well. So it would be them too, for sure. I'll be honest, I really don't know how how I'd see that night out going. I think with Alan McCoy, you'd, uh, the, you'd feel relaxed, you'd have the arm round you, you'd be telling you a laugh a minute. But with Graham Sinus, I don't even know if I'd be brave enough to drink in front of him. <laughs> I think what you they're two icons, eh? So I think, um, you know, to, uh, to, there'd be so much you'd want to ask them they probably wouldn't even know your name at the end of the night. Do you know what I mean? Because you'd be asking them a million questions about their careers and, and some of the stories they'd be able to tell, both serious, funny stories, the memories, what it takes to play for Rangers, what it takes to win for Rangers. I think um, you couldn't ask for for, for two uh, better people that I haven't met. Obviously, Walter stands alone and... Um, and I'm sure a night out with Gaza would be good, but I've met Gaza and, and that was a dream come true to meet him. And the, uh, Brian Loudrop, wow, what a player Brian was. And But I managed to meet him as well because he came in the change room after a game earlier this season. So it was it was lovely to meet him. So I'm, I'm, I'm cheating a bit because there's a few names you can mention. So I've gone for the two that I haven't spent any any time with that I would love to pick their brains, you know. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. And two, two stellar choices uh, for those say so myself, mate. Um, that brings us to the end of the ten questions. That's they weren't too bad, were they? No, they were fine. You can see I like to talk for England, so uh, apologies <laughs> for the long answers. But it's nice to come on and talk. It's the it's the first time I spoke about Rangers uh, outside of family and and obviously with the other staff that I work with now. So it was nice, actually. It was nice to talk and and, and look back at, at what was an unbelievable uh, time in my in my career, you know. No, absolutely, and I just want to say again, like on behalf of all the podcasters at Gallant Few, um, <laughs> thank you for fifty-five. Um, I, I was planning saying I don't think you quite understand how huge it is, but speaking uh, speaking to you and hearing your stories, I think you get how important this was to everybody. Um, so kind of cheating here that um, I said it was ten questions, but the podders asked me, asked you a couple of questions. The first one came from Chris Paul. He, um, a direct quote can you ask Michael Beale does he know how much I love him so <laughs> I do uh, now I do now <laughs> <laughs> and the last one Jane, Jane will ever see you back as Rangers number uh, the Rangers manager I think um, I think the Rangers moving forward might be able to attract bigger names and I'm hoping that the club move to a uh, generally hope that the club get to a stage where they're able to bring household names in. So I think the question, actually, would I take the Rangers job in the future? I think it's one of them jobs that you have to be offered. And I think to be offered, it would be a huge privilege that no one would turn down. At the same time, I would like to think that Rangers wouldn't be in a position to appoint Michael Bill because they'd be able to appoint someone with a little bit more experience and stature in the game. So that's why I hope for the club... Um, rather than the selfish aim of of, uh, of wanting to twist people's arms into giving me the job. But would I work for the club again? Yep, in a heartbeat. It's an institution. If you work in this game, you want to work in stadiums where there's 50,000 people, where the games are live on TV, where you have to win every week. That's a privilege. That's not a pressure. That's what you dream of when you, you start out coaching. So, um, yeah, 
if I'm going to go one day to be a manager, I can't think of anywhere better to start. Um, but albeit you don't get given the Rangers job as your first job uh, too often. And I, and, and I think that where the club's going now, it might be uh, that my moment has passed, if I'm honest with you. I think that's very modest, Ian. Um, definitely in terms, uh, compared to how how highly you're thought of amongst the Rangers support. But yeah, to hear first listeners, he's no said no. He's no said <laughs> said so there's hope. But Michael, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Um, thank you so much for coming on and chatting to us. No, I appreciate it. Good luck and uh, let, let's hope the boys bring home the league this year and uh, and get a good result tonight against Dortmund as well. Yep, here's hoping, fingers crossed. And thank you to everyone who's listened. Uh, as always, we'd love to get you on the show. If, you're, if you'd fancy coming on, talking about your time following Rangers, answering the questions, please get in touch. But bye for now. Thank you for listening and take care. <laughs> Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.